Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGL report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Better off. Hello listeners, welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 89 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host Linda Servich. Hello Linda. Hey Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda. Hello. We are Hello. also joined this week by a guest. Um, we have Sarah Sanchez back on the pod. Um, since the Mets are playing the Cubs this week, we decided to welcome Sarah back to the pod to chat about all things Mets and Cubs. Uh, you guys know Sarah well. She's been on the pod before. She's a writer of Fangraphs and Bleed Cubby Blue and the co-host of Bleed Cubby Blue's podcast, Cup of Cubby Blue. So welcome back to the show, Sarah. It's so good to have you. Hello, ladies. Thanks for having me. Woo! Yes. We're so excited to have you. Literally, <laughs> as we record, um, the Mets and the Cubs are actively playing. We are recording this on Tuesday night, June 15th, um, as the Mets and the Cubs are knotted at two runs apiece. Um, but yeah, both the Mets and the Cubs came into this series hot and in first place um, in their respective divisions, although the Cubs are very tight race with the surging Brewers right now at the moment who are also red hot. Um, so Sarah, what factors have made the Cubs successful this year and allowed them to sort of them and the Brewers to build some distance between the front runners um, and the rest of the NL Central? Well, I think a couple of things have worked for the Cubs, but it's worth noting that the Cubs have had a much more challenging schedule recently than the Brewers. So the Cubs are playing like ridiculous baseball through May and June against teams like the Dodgers and teams like the Mets and teams like the Padres, whereas 
the Brewers are beating up on the Pirates. So I, I feel really good about what the Cubs have been able to accomplish here. They've done two things really well. Um, the first is that they definitely changed their offensive approach from an offensive approach that was historically bad at the start of the season where they were really just struggling to get non-home run hits at all. And that changed uh, pretty decisively in the first couple of weeks of May. And since then they've had one of the best records in baseball just behind the Tampa Bay Rays actually. But the second thing is that their bullpen has been a revelation. And what's so interesting about that is that this bullpen does not have, I mean, aside from the closer, Craig Kimbrell, who is obviously a Hall of Fame closer, it does not have a lot of guys in it that you're like, oh yeah, that dude is a lights out bullpen guy. It's, it's really a product of the pitch lab work that the Cubs have done uh, in their minor league system for the last few years coming to fruition. And it is a lot of fun to see a completely lockdown pen composed of names like Brian Tapera and Dan Winkler uh, and names that you probably haven't heard if you're not a Cubs fan, but we're excited to see them really just, they come into games and it feels like if the Cubs have a lead after the sixth inning, they are just going to win every game. That's been very similar with the Mets, I feel like, although um, obviously the Mets bullpen has not been, is not comprised of guys that they developed um, so much as it's comprised of very surprisingly successful free agent signings. Uh, and I mean, obviously like the Cubs, the Mets have uh, a lights out closer and Edwin Diaz, who they traded a lot for. Um, and he's been very successful, but I don't think anyone expected the bullpen to be a strength of the Mets and that, and their pitching has carried them. And both, I know that Sarah can attest to the Cubs have had injury problems as have the Mets and it's a testament to both teams ability to continue to carry through that um the Mets have been very very injured and have managed to stay in first place despite that although I will say that the NL East is quite the dumpster fire so it's pretty much the Mets at the top of the shit pile the for NL the most least. part <laughs> um <laughs> The NL least. But I'll take it. I'll certainly take it. Um, it's It's been an interesting season um, with injuries up across the league. Obviously, some teams have suffered it more than others, but every team has dealt with it to a certain extent. And the fact that the Mets have made, you know, these bench signings, these fringe signings, um, like they just acquired Billy McKinney from the Brewers, and he's been fantastic for them. And so just – and Jonathan VR just hit a single, and he was not a starter um, until J.D. Davis got hurt. And so these guys are sort of carrying the Mets and I know the Cubs have had a similar situation like guys like Patrick Wisdom just coming out of like freaking nowhere <laughs> yeah the Cubs have been really lucky with their next man up sorts of situations so I, I believe he's back in AAA now but Rafael Ortega came up and really did a nice job while most of the outfield was hurt we had like Jason Hayward, Jake Marisnik, both dealing with hamstring injuries at the same time. And then uh, you mentioned Patrick Wisdom, who has nine home runs and something like 56 plate appearances, which is absurd. And that has to cool off at some point in time. But at the moment, he is just um, setting a torrid pace for home runs. And Sergio Alcantara, who real, uh, the Cubs picked up on waivers from the Tigers, has been an outstanding second baseman. And he has a knack for hitting triples, which are always fun love triples and just just to go back uh just to go back on the Mets for a second Allison you were saying like the bullpen's been a big surprise and I think it's even more a surprise with their durability because we have shaky four and five starters right now um and their load has been very very I think heavier than normal <laughs> that would normally we would normally see um of a bullpen in a season 
I mean, absolutely. David Peterson, who obviously uh, got the better of the Cubs last night, but that was very surprising because he came into that start, you know, having lasted no more than like two innings in his previous two starts and getting absolutely lit up by the Orioles and then not getting out of the first inning, the start before. I think that was the Diamondbacks game um, that they ended up winning. But regardless, David Peterson has uh, David Peterson's early exits have forced the bullpen to do a lot of bulk work and long relief. Mm-hmm. And um, Joey Lucchese, who has been the fifth starter and is doing better of late, but he is a guy that pitches no more than four or five innings. Uh, he should not face the order more, <laughs> more than two times through. Absolutely not. Look, and so... I might be adopting Lucchese's by new name. <laughs> the jury's out on it. But I mean, I will defend Lucchese to the death at this point. <laughs> They've I literally mean, I, adopted their entire hit celebration around him. That's the AOK. <laughs> I think the other thing is the bullpen's durability is going to be oh, is going to be tested with all these double headers coming up because we have um, double headers coming up on the 19th on the 21st the 25th yep yep we talked about so God uh, Sarah mentioned Sarah mentioned strength of schedule between yes. the Brewers and the Cubs and that's about to bite the Mets big time because yep. a, a big advantage that the Mets have had is that they've had a off days because of scheduled off days rainouts and at the beginning of the year COVID related issues um thanks and, to the Nationals not us <laughs> yeah because of the Nationals um, one snow out in the Rockies and one snow out in Colorado and they they were able to you know weather a lot of these early injuries because they had so many off <laughs> Off days, um, but now that is not the case, and also they are facing tougher opponents than they had. They had one of the easiest April schedules in all of baseball, and May schedule was, you know, harder but not super hard. June and July are going to be. I mean, we're already halfway through June, and they've maintained, which is good. But they're starting to face, you know, tougher opponents. They face the Padres twice. They're facing the Cubs now, like first place teams, like good teams, and so we'll see what happens um, as the schedule toughens up. And I mean, that kind of goes into the next question. So the Cubs swept the Mets when they saw each other last in, in Chicago in April. So the Mets right now are a very different team, very injured team. So it's in both good and bad ways uh, than what the Cubs saw in April. So how are the Cubs a different team since we last saw each other in that last matchup? Um, I mean, the Cubs have been dealing with their fair share of injuries too. They just got Marisnik and... Hayward back, as I mentioned before, Matt Duffy is still on the bench, which probably doesn't seem like that big of a deal to Mets fans. But Matt Duffy really, in my opinion, uh, and Jake Marisnik provided the offensive spark that this team needed at the start of the season when the sort of three true outcomes approach at the plate was really just not working for them at all. They they looked historically bad for those first few weeks in April. And, and when I say historically bad, I mean like they had the fewest number of hits that they have ever had as a franchise through the first 10 games or something. It was, it was really not fun times in Wrigleyville. So um, I'm looking forward to getting some of those at bats back. Matt Duffy really does a nice job of getting on base and he's not going to hit for a lot of power, but he's, he provides a lot of length in the middle of the lineup when he's in there. And then sort of does something that I think that this team's been missing since they lost Ben Zobrist really like having that nice contact hitter, Uh, approach in the middle of the lineup sort of sprinkled in there. I think that um, Alcantara is providing a little bit of that right now, but not quite as well as Matt Duffy did. And then, you know, just the rotation has had some problems. I mean, Trevor Williams had appendicitis. He has not pitched for at least a couple of weeks right now. I don't remember the exact date of his last start, but he has been on the shelf. What was that? I 
Yeah, he's, he's been on the sorry. shelf with that. No, you're good. And then um, they advert Alvali, who has been outstanding. And really, you know, a lot of people sort of wondered if he would be able to be the fourth or fifth starter. I think he's really been pitching like the staff's number two, which is incredible news for a team that has struggled to develop pitching until this season. We're finally seeing some of the fruits of those labors. He had a blister on his right middle finger in the last start that he was throwing. And so he is on the 10 day IL as well. And and that's, you know, that's going to be uh, an issue for most of the season, not the blister necessarily, but Alzali has not thrown more than a hundred innings since 2016. He's dealt with injury issues. He does have the potential to be a uh, number two, in my opinion, starter for this team. And so I doubt that they're going to want to push him really hard, which means they need to figure out ways to get some more innings at the top of games. You see Alec Mills throwing, uh, he has the start today. I, I imagine that Keegan Thompson and Cole Stewart will get some looks as well for the same reasons, just as they try to make sure that they can get to an August or September with their best starters healthy. So, you know, it has been a weird season for the Cubs. There was talk of them like selling in the beginning of the year because they were so historically bad or like, you know, tearing it down, rebuilding. Um, the owner's not spending. So now that we're a third of the of the season, where we're a third of the way through, um, what do you think the Cubs are going to do? Well, I don't think the Cubs are sellers at this point. I don't think they've been sellers for about a month now. Um, I understand why people thought that at the start of the season. I mean, I thought that after the Darvish and Caratini trade, it sort of seems like you're trying to shed salary and making your team actively worse in doing so, which, you know, that's, that's generally a signal yeah. to the rest of the league that you are not competing. But I, I've always thought that as long as this team was in first place and looked like they had a pretty decent shot at winning the division, you can't sell off that core of players who won in 2016. And that is where they're at right now, right? You've got Chris Bryant um, in the middle of what could be another MVP caliber campaign. Admittedly, he left today's game after taking a ball off the hand in the first inning. I'm hoping that's just precautionary. Everything I'm seeing on Twitter seems to indicate that that's a hand contusion, not anything that's broken or anything like that. Knock on wood, if I have wood handy somewhere. Um, And then, you know, you've got uh, Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez, who are also both in the last years of their deal. But it's not just the core. A lot of the contracts that the Cubs have on the books at the moment are one-year type deals. There's a club option for Craig Kimbrell for one more year after this if the Cubs chose to exercise it. Jack Peterson is on a one-year deal. Wilson Contreras is in the second to last year of his team control. So there's there's just always been this sort of question of like, you don't want to lose that amount of talent without getting something back for the farm. At the same time, you can't sell off those players when they are winning the division. And at the moment they're winning the division, like I said at the top of the show, they have the best record in baseball outside of Tampa Bay since early May. And they're doing it against the best teams. And this is what I cannot stress enough about this Cubs team. You know, a lot of teams built had their record with games against like the bottom of their division, games against the Pirates, games against the the Phillies or something like that. I don't think that that's what this Cubs team has done. They are five and one against the Padres. They swept the Dodgers. They swept the Mets in April, although admittedly they dropped that first game at City Field last night. I think that this team, you know, they are five and one against the Cardinals. They just swept the Cardinals at Wrigley Field for the first time in a few seasons. So I feel like this team 
is really hitting its stride. They're showing that they can compete against the top of the division. And everything I'm hearing says that the Cubs are probably buyers right now, although we'll see how much uh, the Ricketts turn Hoyer loose on the market to actually add. So do you think that they'll have to pick and choose who they re-sign? I'm mainly asking because Chris Bryant is my birthday twin, and <laughs> I would <laughs> love to see him in the blue and orange. Like, oh, my Lord. Uh-oh. But yeah, so do you, what, how do you see this all shaking out in like the next offseason? It's going to be really interesting. I think that, you know, my gut instinct for the last few years has been that they wouldn't probably be able to sign all four of those core players. I used to say five, actually, because I would have counted Schwarber in there, but obviously Schwarber is a national now. So when I talk about those core four players, I'm talking about Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and Wilson Contreras. I think, look, let's be real clear. The Ricketts can afford to sign all of those guys if they want to. 100%. They have a lot of money. They are billionaires and they own half of Wrigleyville and they'll be just fine. And we don't need to worry about billionaires money. Uh, But if they choose to be a little bit more frugal here, which would be a choice that I would not make if I were the Ricketts, I would just sign those four players and build around them. Let Nico Horner grow up around them, uh, bring up Ed Howard when his time comes, Brennan Davis, the Cubs have some really interesting pieces in their farm system at the moment who should be able to make an impact in a couple of years. But if they choose not to do that, I think that they can extend three of the four fairly easily, and they should. And I and if I were looking to do those extensions, you start with Anthony Rizzo because the man is your team captain. He is the heart of your team. He should have a statue built outside of Wrigley at some point. Number 44 should be retired, and he should just be a Cub forever. And then I think you look at Wilson Contreras, who I feel like is a pretty big building block by them letting Caratini go, you know, this is really Wilson's pitching staff. And if you look at what the starters and the bullpen have done, they're really exceeding expectations. A lot of that has to do with Contreras's improved framing with the way he game plans with them. Uh, He's a horse, I think he's caught more innings than any catcher in the National League, or he had a couple weeks ago when I last looked. Um, And then, you know, Javier Baez is an institution in the city. The man had a street named after him after 2015 uh, before the Cubs even won. Yeah, there is a Javier Baez way in Humboldt Park in the Puerto Rican neighborhood here in Chicago. And that is how beloved he is. So, I mean, you could do three instead of four and let Chris Bryant try his hand at getting a $300 million deal somewhere. I don't know that Chris Bryant's going to command that much. Anymore, I think that 2016 KB, yes, the struggles in 2017 and 18, it's going to be interesting to see how that all stacks up uh, given the season that he's put together here. And uh, you mentioned you mentioned adding um, at the deadline. If you were in charge, what what pieces would you look to add? And do you have any like specific trade targets that you think would be good fits for the Cubs? the Cubs need another starter. I don't think that they can get this done with um, Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies, Alzali. Uh, I think that they, you know, Jake Arrieta, I adore Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta definitely is not um, the pitcher that he was once upon a time. And his, he is most successful when his ground ball rate is in the 48 to 53 percentile percentage range. And that's not where it is right now. The last time I looked, I think it was in the high twenties. Um, and that's just not going to work 
for him and how his style of pitching. So I think the Cubs need to get another starter. I don't know that it needs to be, you know, would have been nice if they would have just kept you Darvish, but I, 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 that's your feeling that about Zach, about Zach Wheeler. (laughs) We feel your pain. We had the starter. We had, yeah. Like we had this guy would have been right there. The Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard things would not be a problem for the Mets. If you know, they still (laughs) had had Zach Wheeler. Wheeler on this team. Yeah, 100%. But I I think that that's where the Cubs need to go. The most interesting name that I've heard there is actually uh, Barrios from the Twins. He's Mm -hmm. Javier Baez's brother-in-law. That seems like it's a potentially affordable piece who could give you a a decent number of innings that would be pretty crafty. Um, I don't think they're going to be in on like a Max Scherzer type deal or something like that. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To completely shift the topic to more wider baseball issues that affect um, both the Mets and the Cubs, but also all of baseball, um, both the Mets and the Cubs have had to deal with anti-vaccination sentiment on their respective yeah. teams. Um, I, I believe the Mets are not at 85% and the Cubs nope. are not either, right? Oh, no, the Cubs... The Cubs are not at eighty five percent, and it does not look like they're going to get there anytime soon. Yep, I Mets were at seventy. Yeah, seven seventy seven, and I think I want to say it was either Rojas or someone said they were like possibly going to hit it. And the coming- Rojas kept saying like we're working on it. Yeah, Sandy keeps saying we're yeah. close. We're we're really like working to educate, or but yeah, just see. And- Maybe- Thomas they, did the math that it's six Mets. It came out to six Mets that have ruined it for everybody. Well, maybe they're, I don't know. I'm being optimistic that they're in the middle of the first dose, like in that, that gap of time between the first dose and the second dose, just enough. Well, it's also Again. hard to judge because they've had so many people coming and going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. That's so the other dose. thing. Um, but uh, so Sarah, what's been your reaction and sort of the like Cubs fan base reaction in general to um, comments from guys like Rizzo and Hayward? And I know that um, I, I don't know if Eric Sogard himself has said something. We know his wife has said things, um, but yeah, <laughs> very, so what, uh, frequently, too. very frequently has said things. So <sighs> what has been like every like everyone's reaction to all of those? And I know they're like different flavors of anti-vax sentiment and some is worse than others, but it, it's like, you know. Well, okay. So at the risk of being like a Cubs fangirl for a second, um, I actually am going to bracket out Rizzo from the rest of this. And I'm going to do that for a couple of reasons. It's not just because I think they should build Anthony Rizzo a statue outside Wrigley Field someday. Um, You know, his, his comments came up in an interview with a local radio personality who's pretty well known for like stoking 
fights over here. And the question that uh, David Kaplan asked Anthony Rizzo was worded in such a way that I feel like it was designed for maximum, um, maximum fodder, right? So the question was worded to be, as a leader on this team, I'm sure you want the Cubs to get to 85% vaccination rate. What are you doing to pressure other guys to get their vaccinations? Like it, it was built, it was Ooh. a question that was asked, like presuming he already had yeah. the vaccine. Um, Rizzo, to his credit, didn't lie and said, actually, you know, in consultation with my doctors, I haven't gotten the vaccine. It's been a really tough decision. I'm still being really cautious and doing all the precautions I did before. And I think it is worth pointing out that Anthony Rizzo is a cancer survivor. And that of all the people who might have a reason to not get a vaccine that's under emergency use, in That's consultation it. with their doctors. Yeah, I was R- going to say, in consultation R- with a the doctor, there's an underlying health issue right there. Yeah, I mean, Rizzo is that dude. And I, and I don't say this to be like the world's biggest apologist for like the cub of my generation or anything like that. Like, I understand how this might come off to some people. But, you know, as an aside here, my best friend has multiple sclerosis. She's a scientist through and through. I mean, she's a computer scientist. She's data driven on everything. Um, And when the vaccines first came, and she has gotten vaccinated now, but when they first came out, she was also pretty hesitant. And she was hesitant, not because she doesn't believe in science, or she doesn't believe in vaccines. She was hesitant, because there was very little data on what these vaccines meant for people with MS. And her and her doctors weren't sure how that would impact the treatments that she does normally, and what the pros and cons might be, right. And so I feel like for Rizzo, there is a, you know, should he tell us more about that? If he chooses to, absolutely. Could there be, could there have been a much better interview for this and not quite like the tricky lead in to like, that's designed to get one answer and to create a new cycle 100%. Um, but there's a possibility here that he's not being like your garden variety anti-vaxxer that he really is in conversations with doctors about what this vaccine would mean for him. And, and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt there, right? Like I think there are portions of our society that cannot or should not be vaccinated for medical reasons. And that's why we talk about herd immunity as being like 75 to 80%, not 100%. For Sogard and Hayward, man, I, I, I've got nothing. I, I'm just <laughs> like, I don't know why y'all are out there like acting like this is some sort of freedom issue. It's disappointing. I really wish that you would stand up and like, you know, just it's a shot. It's not hard. I got mine. I, I was sick for a day and a half. It was it was okay. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's the way that like, because Obviously, like Casey Sogard is like, you know, you, you mentioned garden variety anti-vaxxers. That's what Casey Sogard is. But like it's it, I found Hayward's conduct really interesting because he's like laughing it off like it's a joke. And yeah. it was like very bizarre to me the way yeah. that he talked about it. Yeah, I was really stunned um, by Hayward's comments, both for that reason and because Hayward has always like struck me as a really thoughtful and like. I don't know. I mean, he's always been out in the front of pretty much every good issue doing the right thing as a Chicago Cub. And so to see him sort of like laughing this off and saying that it's just not a thing that he thinks he needs to do as that was a little bit stunning to me. I don't know if he was trying to take some of the heat off Rizzo or what. I I have no idea Um, that. But I feel like and admittedly, like, I, you know, it's hard when the players that we love do disappointing things. But I do think that it's it's real easy to sit in judgment of Anthony Rizzo without we have no idea what conversations he might have be might be having with doctors um, in terms of his previous treatment or his previous diagnosis. And so 
I do want people to remember that that's not necessarily information players OS, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. They and I mean, need to tell us that. No, and it, especially using, using, saying that he was doing it in consultation with his doctor just strikes me as, hey, there is a possibility that you, there's a safety issue with this vaccine. I know my um, best friend who recently had a um, kidney transplant. She took the vaccine. It didn't work because she's so immunosuppressed. Yeah. So um, it's just, it's imperative for herd immunity, but we also don't know um, that every person that doesn't get the vaccine, it doesn't mean they're an anti-vaxxer. Um, it doesn't mean they're shrugging this off. It may mean that they can't. So, and I, I'm definitely willing to give Rizzo the doubt, uh, the benefit of the doubt on that one as well. It's interesting because it's it's been interesting to see this uh, to, to see this evolve with Carlos Carrasco as well because he's also a cancer survivor. Yeah, yeah. he got he very publicly got the vaccine, um, but he it, it, he was it, that delayed his recover that delayed his like start to spring training, and then he got this hamstring injury, and it kind of right. I kind of wonder how those things are connected. Obviously, like you know it, it provided that the that he was deemed safe to get the vaccine from his doctors even if the hamstring injury is connected in some way, it's worth it, you know, to get the vaccine because that's what's more important than, you know, being able to play professional baseball necessarily. Um, but, you know, it's been interesting to see because like he's had all these setbacks that the Mets are refusing to call setbacks with this hamstring injury. Oh, and it's God. been like, you know, a very long road to recovery for Carrasco. And I will, I will, you know, um, caveat this to our listeners with that this is pure speculation on my part and I am not informed about I have no inside sources this is just me <laughs> speculating here I, I I wonder if the if the cancer treatment has something to do with you know with his with the slow recovery from the hamstring issue because muscle atrophy is a real thing in yeah. in cancer survival yep. Mm. Um, and well, they you know, didn't just need like a PCP injection, or yeah, he got a PCP injection, yeah. and they're still refusing to call it a setback. And he's out here getting PCP injections. It's like, come on, guys, let's be honest about this. Um, but I, that's why I partially why I think the Mets might be being so cagey about him in particular because, like, I wonder if it's something that they might not want to discuss in public. Um, I mean, especially if Carrasco has asked them not to. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well- and that's the other component of this that we have to keep in mind. You know, I, I got into this a little bit with some writers in the co- or some of our readers in the comments at BCB where people are like, well, Rizzo owes us an explanation. I'm like, he, no, he doesn't no, he really doesn't. actually like he he's a human being. And, and to the extent that he is a public human being and he chooses to give us some explanations here, that's great. But he he might not even know, you know, like part of what I didn't like about that exchange is the way that the question was formed and everything. I think it's a credit to Rizzo that he didn't lie, that he didn't just kind of say, I don't know, man, we're just, we're trying really hard or whatever. Um, That definitely put him in an awkward position, but we are dealing with new technology here and we're dealing with new technology that's going to interact with different people's bodies in different ways. And I, I am, look, I, I wanted my parents to get vaccinated. I've wanted every relative to get vaccinated. I have talked to, I I got vaccinated the second I could. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't worried about it at all. Um, And I, you know, I'm really glad that my best friend decided to get vaccinated. But I think that we just have to remember that there's a lot of gray area here, right? And when we try to apply the same 
judgment on the vaccine to people who have legitimate pre-existing conditions that we do to people who are like, well, I think the vaccine causes you to be magnetic or whatever. Uh, I don't, I don't think those are similar. Oh God. <laughs> going to start that, sticking quirks on my body and running around. Uh, I, and I also think that there's a difference between what, how Rizzo answered the question, which was good and nuanced and, and like answers that are to that question, which was admittedly a gotcha, you know, that are actively harmful. You know, I think Casey Sogard is sharing misinformation, right? Like Casey Sogard is doing stuff that's actively (laughs) harmful and she's sharing propaganda that is untrue. And there's a difference between Rizzo being like, you know, for me, I am consulting with doctors and, you know, dudes who, yeah, this is how I'm working yeah dudes that have no reason to be you know skeptical being like it's a personal choice bro and like, <laughs> like which yeah. is the Mets MO which is essentially most time. of the Mets yeah MO. um I mean I wouldn't say like there's there hasn't as near as I can tell there hasn't been any Met like openly sharing propaganda the way that like Casey Sogard has done oh there hasn't been anything <laughs> like that out there but there also has been it's been a lot of like it's a personal choice type rhetoric which I without any context at all and yes they don't have to give us every detail of their medical history I'm not asking for that but without any context at all that's kind of a harmful rhetoric to put forward Oh, I totally agree with that. And I think that, it, you know, Jed Hoyer said this better than I could. It, it is a competitive advantage for these teams to get yes. to that 85% threshold. There's Absolutely. all sorts of things that they can do in terms of hanging out, in terms of having their family with them on trips, in terms of, you know, just having a more normal lifestyle on road trips and whatnot. Well, didn't Casey what? Sogard say she was being oppressed or something? Yeah, she because, did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't see. Because she I can't, can't go my... on road trips because she's not vaccinated. I can't yeah. see my husband You're very and they're discriminating Casey. against me. <laughs> like, you can fix that, Casey. You're not being discriminated against. <laughs> well, and people, you know, this whole, like, it's a personal choice thing. I don't know about you all. When I went to college, I had to get my I MMR booster. Yes. I had to get, like... I don't remember. There was a list and I had to prove that I was up to date and I, I don't really like shots. Tetanus, meningitis. Yeah. Meningitis, yeah, tetanus. Yeah. I, I don't I really like shots. So I put this off as long as humanly possible, but then I did it because I wanted to go to college and it just feels like that's how institutions in this country have generally worked, well, right? Even, like we- Yeah, like when you go to, like my cousin was in a wedding in South Africa and she needed to get like malaria. Malaria, and, yeah. Yeah, like these are just standard even as a teacher I mean we have to have um twice twice oh my god twice annual um tb t- uh the, I was gonna say hydrus, yep and a hep b vaccination yeah I had to have t- I had to have the tb test when I was yep. teaching mm-hmm. and I didn't and- get to like say my personal freedom meant that I didn't want the tb test <laughs> no <laughs> I mean y- you can do that but then you can't teach in public school yeah <laughs> like Sure. No one's taking uh, your personal freedom away. Like no one is holding you down and making you get this vaccine. It's just that we live in a society. And if you want privileges afforded to living as, in a society, then you need to get the vaccine. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, it's just a perspective right now of individual freedom over greater public good and public health. Yeah. And the United States, in my perspective, obviously takes a much more individual freedom perspective yes which is not great a solid portion of our populace does at least and it's i mean (laughs) i am i'm routinely fascinated no you're good i'm just routinely fascinated at how there's like 
even on things that I feel like should be very basic, like really we can't agree on the vaccine would end the pandemic. So we should all get it. Like that seems cool. <laughs> yeah. Like seems this basic. is what we wanted. <laughs> like we wanted it to end because everybody was like, our masks are taking away my freedoms. Well, right. now no, the vaccine is here. So you don't have to wear the mask and now you're not getting the vaccine either. I sort of like, I hate, I hate that idea because you know what? You can't go into a store without shoes. You can't go into a store yes, without no a shirt, shirt. No shoes, no service. No service. So it's just like, really? The mask is going to be the tipping point here? <laughs> Good God. Ugh, people. <laughs> um, so now we're going to completely go out into left field, shift our um, tangent again. So as we all know, and we got the memo out today, the big story in baseball right now is the policing of foreign substance use by pitchers. Pine tar, spider tack, and... Most controversially, sunscreen. Oh my gosh! God how do you how do you feel about the issue? Have any Cubs players spoken out about it, um, like Pete Alonso for the Mets? So there, I, I have not seen a bunch of Cubs statements here, but what I did see uh, was was a little bit more interesting than a statement. So if y'all recall the game where Joe West took uh, Giovanni Gallegos's hat. Oh, and Mike oh, Schilt so got like thrown out of the game preemptively because he was so offended about the hat thing or whatever. Uh, two days later, I happened to be at Wrigley Field. It, it was Craig Kimbrell's birthday. And, and I don't know if y'all have watched how closely Mets fans have watched Craig Kimbrell yes. over the years, but he's had a spot, like a circle spot on the rim of his hat for as long as I've watched him pitch. I mean, I've watched him pitch a lot because I, my AL team is the Red Sox. And so I've, I've spent a lot of time watching Craig Kimbrell do his thing. Um, and so, you know, the, the bullpen guys come out to the bullpen at Wrigley in the middle innings, just like they probably do in a lot of other parks. And I see Craig Kimbrell walking out in like the fifth ish inning back towards the bullpen and he gets stopped by Joe West uh, and the third base umpire. They have a little chit chat um, on the field there. And when he comes out for the ninth inning, that, that spot on his cap is gone and it has not been back since. Like if you've watched Craig Kimbrell pitch in the last, I don't know, three weeks ish, um, whenever that Schilt episode happened, uh, you've not seen that spot on his hat anymore. And and I kind of went and looked at his spin rates and it sort of has a sunscreen rosiny type of vibe to it, right? You're talking like 20 to 40 rotations, um, nothing very substantial. And Craig Kimbrell has been lights out this season. So I think he's perfectly fine. But I did think it was interesting that Wes started having these conversations preemptively. It was not just the Cardinals thing. Like he was having them preemptively with pitchers even before MLB gave umpires the go ahead to do that uh, in looking at Cubs numbers. Cause I'm sure you all are looking at Mets numbers too. I have not noticed anyone who has fallen off a cliff a la Trevor Bauer or <laughs> Garrett Cole. I don't, I don't see anyone in the Cubs right now. And now this is not a shock uh... to anybody, right? Because the Cubs don't have a bunch of power arms who are trying to like get you on the world's nastiest slider. Right. Um, they just don't. Kyle Hendricks is not that dude, and neither is Zach Davies, for that matter. Uh, so they have They don't have any pitchers that I've seen that have really tremendous drops and spin rates that are suspicious. Um, that's good for the Cubs, as far as I'm concerned. It means they can probably just keep pitching the way that they've been pitching, and hopefully, not have impacts. Um, a la what Glassnow was talking about today, where he basically blamed his injury, this torn UCL that he yeah. just got diagnosed with on the inability to use sunscreen and rosin 
on the ball. And, and I guess, I, I mean, I'd be curious to hear what you all think of that because I, I can both see where Glasnow is coming from. I think it is ridiculous that the league knows there is such a huge difference between a sunscreen rosin mix and like spider tack that, but they, they are not treating those as any different. Um, and I, I don't know. I feel like this is going to backfire on MLB kind of like the new baseball has backfired on MLB. Yeah, I, I like definitely agree is, with that. Yeah, I feel like this is the easy way out for baseball. Like they just um, I watched an interview. They interviewed James McCann before the game yesterday. And um, they, they talked to him about a variety of topics, but they asked him about like the new ball and offense and stuff. And he was like, I could probably sit here and talk to you for the rest of the day about why offense is down. And he was like, it could be the new ball. It could be spider tack. It could be any number of things. So I think this is mad Fred just taking the easy way out. Like this is something I can fix. Um, that's like distracting away from the baseball. Like, Oh, I changed the baseball again, but Hey, look over there. Um, so I think it's just him and it's easy to blame the players. Like he's creating I mean, granted, it is against the rules, but he's creating another scandal to distract from baseball's larger issues, I feel like. and From his idiocy. Yes, from his idiocy. And like you said, I feel like it's just going to backfire because you already have an injury plagued year. And we said this when Meredith was on, Meredith Wills. Yep. Um, you know, baseball's worse when its stars aren't on the field. Mm -hmm. And now you have Tyler Glass now not on the field. And he was one of, he was Tampa's best player or one of their best players. And baseball's worse for that. And this is what you want. This is the risk you want to, you want to take. I mean, personally, I think the connection between um, those substances on the balls and his UCL is like tenuous at best because, yeah, I mean, he said it was too slippery and it caused him to grip it tighter. That was his I mean, reasoning. That, that's one it. thing. So maybe yeah. it's like the the straw that broke the camel's back just because I can't see one game without it completely blowing out his UCL. Yeah. Um, that's going to be wear and tear from generally pitching because pitching is a violent motion. Um, so that he, he made fantastic points, but that connection kind of didn't sit well with me. Um it's I think the thing that's going to be horrific is that if a pitcher and a catcher both get caught because they can both be punished, um, they are both suspended for 10 games with pay. But the problem with that now is that the team cannot replace their spots on the right. roster. Yeah. So you can be yeah. playing with one or two men down, potentially two. If, and if it's the catcher, that's a brutal loss for 10 can games. Can I – can we do this like you can't replace the guy on the roster for domestic violence? Yeah, know, right? that'd be like, great. Where's that? Talk like, about distracting from baseball's greater problems. Greater issues. Right? I'm like, look, I, I appreciate this whole like we're going to crack down on foreign substances on the baseball. And, and in order to make it really hit you hard, we want to make sure that you're down a roster spot for guys that cheat. I get that. Can we do that for guys who go to jail? Because it seems like that would be quite the deterrent might like get some teams more on board with trying to be proactive at getting bad people off of their rosters and not trading for them. Correct. Either. Yeah. Like I just find it stunning that, and like that's actually an interesting twist on a, how to make sure you're impacting the competitive ability of the game and, and really making this like really making this impactful to the teams who are cheating 
But at the same time, I can think of a lot of other spaces where MLB probably should have used that particular rule. Yep. Well, and then also I tweeted this earlier. um, A pitcher getting caught using sunscreen is going to be punished more harshly than any member of the Houston Astros organization. Yep. And it's sunscreen. Like, this is the part that I hate about this. It's sunscreen. This is this is the part that I hate about this. And I've been, you know, I, I have never gone into a lab and looked at what the different spin rates do or tried to throw a diff- certain types of pitches with different sticky well, stuff or whatever. Well, I'm sure could very easily educate <laughs> is, you on that. I mean, this is, this is, I think this is a big reason. He is the reason pretty much why it this is. whole He dared issue them into this. Oh, he did. So, and he got his way. I mean, this is what he wanted. Yeah, totally. Is it well, I think this is, the, this is the opposite of what he wanted. He wants it legalized, but Correct. he's also yeah. going to, he's going to screw up the rest of the league over trying to get what he wants. But so. he also got paid and he got his Cy Young. So does he care? I don't think I mean, th- that's the part that boggles my mind. You feel, I, I feel like at least Trevor Bauer, like unearthed the secret benefited from the secret made 102 million dollars and now and now it's just like oh shrug like i'm just gonna be a bad yeah (laughs) i did see one person make the point could the dodgers potentially sue him that they signed the contract under false pretenses no because here's the thing the dodgers knew he was doing this yeah the dodgers knew he was doing this the, the, also, Dodgers the Dodgers have their own issues. Yeah. The yeah I was going to say, weren't clean, the Dodgers yeah. the team with the highest jump in spin rates? Yes. yes. <laughs> so it's not just Bauer. Listen, and that's, and that's why, listen, I mean, like, okay, I think I agree with Kellyanne on glass now. I think that, I think that he has every right to be upset at MLB, as does all the pitchers and all the hitters, quite frankly, because now yeah. they're in danger um, of being Kevin Pillard, all of them. Oof. Um, ah. Oh. So I think I think that both Tyler Glass now and Pete Alonso started off with good points at their foundation and then crossed Mm -hmm. a little bit into tinfoil hat territory. I think that they ascribed malice to MLB where there's simply incompetence. And I I mean, like, so I think they crossed it a little bit into tinfoil hat territory. But can you really blame them? I can't. I can't either. Because MLB is... (laughs) is put again putting this on the players when this was an organization wide sanctioned form of cheating like let's let's be clear this is not pitchers deciding on their own i'm going to cheat this is literally teams doing this stuff in labs and testing what the best stuff is and telling all their pitchers to use it the athletic wrote about this like the teams sanctioned this behavior this is not again just like with the houston astros and banging on the trash cans like yeah okay obviously i do think the players should have gotten more punishment than they got which was zero but this was this was organization-wide sanctioned cheating it comes from the top down i mean and there was also i think a meeting was this the union meeting today where there were 36 representatives and they were all like yeah sunscreen's fine yeah yeah none of the hitters care about that yeah the hitters all said we don't care about that and major league baseball didn't listen they just decided nope we're gonna do this blanket thing i think that's because mlb wants to use the sunscreen and rosin mix as a bargaining chip in the cba and so so the reason the reason the reason this policy is asinine is because it, it is a two in MLB's interest to have an asinine policy that so they can have a give back at the end of the season that's like look we'll, we'll let you have this thing that you have had for generations we, uh, you can have it back we'll let you have some sunscreen correct yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but in the interim 
But in the interim, you are absolutely right that one that is dangerous for hitters, that's mm-hmm. dangerous for, I mean, I don't know if it's dangerous as dangerous for pitchers as Glass now is saying, but it does strike me that, you know, you could see an increase in things like blisters, you could see an increase in things like pitching is a is a motion that you do over and over and over again. And it mm-hmm. has to be very precise. And I mean, I don't, the only thing I can think of that is similar that I do, I, I'm a long distance runner. And so when I get a new pair of shoes, if there's like some weird weirdness in the shoe, it's real easy for that weirdness to turn into a blister over Instant a couple of miles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's the exact same type of thing I imagine with pitchers when you have a motion that you do over and over and over again, and your body is used to that. And all of a sudden it changes just slightly. Um, and it just doesn't seem like, it's in MLB's best interest to have a bunch of pitchers hitting the IL or pitchers who are throwing more wildly. I mean, I don't want to see, uh, you know, glass now or DeGrom worse than they should be because they're not using sunscreen and rosin anymore. I just, I hate that this, this organization is so they take a sledgehammer to everything in the interest of trying to like gain the best bargaining position later. And it is exhausting as a fan. And it's just like, yeah, I know it's, Pete Alonzo took it to the extreme, like totally conspiracy theory. Like <laughs> they're purposely doing messing with the ball so we don't depending make depending on the free agent class. Yeah, like, which I'm just like, no, they have no control over what's happening no, with the baseball. Yeah, like, they, they wanted to do something and <laughs> yeah. they did whatever the hell it was, and they had and they, they basically did this by accident. <laughs> but Chelsea Jeans, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, who covers the Nationals, she said, I haven't heard it taken to that extreme, but she goes, I know other players have said they thought it would be used against them in free agency, which like, oh, Pete, yeah, great. You broke the whole red record, but the balls were juiced, so you're not worth as much. Like, so it just, so the fact that the players are all like thinking this, that everything's to like cost them money the next CBA is going to be absolutely brutal. I mean, it was going to be a, a shit show to begin with. Yeah, and now it's just going to compiling. Make it, yeah. To do I mean, in fairness season. to the players, why should the players trust that none of these sure. owners have ever tried to compensate them fairly for their talents? Like the right. whole system is built to compensate them as little as possible during the years where they're the best, yep. and then be like, "Oh, I'm really sorry. You're just not worth that eight-year extension into your 30s." So, bye. Yeah. Yeah. You're screwed. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just it and to do this midseason with That's to give the, the pitchers. Other, oh. I mean, they've warned the pitchers ahead of time, but to do this midseason, and that was Glasnow's big beef, whether it actually, you know, contributed to him tearing his UCL is another matter, but like they, that's that was his fantastic point. You're doing this mid-season to you're completely you're essentially well you're not changing the rules because you're enforce you're deciding to enforce existing rules. But you're doing this mid-season, why not just wait till the off-season to do it and the answer is because of labor negotiations. Well, and then even what? Ronnie said you could have done it at the All-Star break even. And they chose not to. T- totally. Just and the other us. thing that got to me in um in Passan's piece last night the one that ESPN broke there was this line that I was just stunned by where it talked about how I apparently teams each got a list of their players that MLB believed were cheating what I didn't um, hear that it's oh in Passan's piece I I like clipped it I'll I'll tweet it out uh, I'll retweet it after this I re- I tweeted it last night but it's like yeah teams were sent a memo with names of their players that MLB had suspicions about if that's true it sort of seems like 
You don't need to do this whole Joe West enforces the thing rigmarole. Like, you know who they are. Go after the guy shooting them. (laughs) You know exactly who the people are and what you're looking for, right? Like, I, I don't, and I don't understand then why you can't go for the people who are impacting the game with their sticky tack you know, scientific gunk stuff versus you have the, the data for sunscreen this. rosin people. You have the data for this. It's public. Anyone can yeah. go look up a pitcher spin rate. Anyone can go look up a pitcher spin rate. It's not or, that hard. Or go after the people that, you know, publicly declare it. Um, <laughs> that West Coast. Or yeah, literally the people hmm. who say openly that they're cheating. Or yeah. like when they're asked if they're cheating, give like non-responses to the question. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that was Trevor May's whole point. Like, um, people were asking him about it, and he said, you know who it is. Go after them. Exactly. Like, this is just, there's no point to this. And I'm, like- honest, I'm honestly floored that more teams haven't told the umpires to go after Bauer. Not even with this rule change, just generally from the get-go. I was well, ba- I'm very surprised. His spin rate's down, so he might have stopped. He so stopped. there might be nothing to go after. I mean, that, that was their but desire. Did he stop, result. like, in the last game or two? Yeah, no, it's been, uh, he's been having issues with home runs, so it seems like it's been for a good like month or so right now. Okay. Yeah, I would say it's been at least a couple of starts because yeah. uh, Max Bay, who does the command and stuff numbers for Eno Saris, uh, had tweeted out a graph, like a little chart of Bauer spin rates and Bauer units. I want to say two or three weeks ago, I used it in an article I wrote for BCB, but it, it showed a pretty distinct fall off in Bauer spin rates. Um, in his last, well, at that point, it had been his last start. So I would guess it was two starts ago. Okay. FYI, Jake's were fine, everyone. Yes. So you know. Even yes. though Buster only likes to imply otherwise. Oh my God. That was, that was the worst clickbaity thing <sighs> I've ever seen. It, it was bait. Everyone do not fall for Buster only's bait. <laughs> Like, stop falling for his bait. This is, He's just like this. This is just who he is. Yeah, for but, some reason, he's been going after the Mets for, like, really no reason whatsoever. It doesn't matter. Because they're doing he, well. That's why. He, yeah, I mean, like, low Mets is, like, a better story for ESPN guys, right? So, like, I mean, Buster only, like, basically tweeted, like, why Jacob deGrom could be the first guy they go after. And, and of course, and it's, and it's a, a, a behind a paywall article. So like right. everyone gets all fired up and they don't know the real article. I, I went and clicked on it because I have ESPN plus because I have the Hulu Disney plus ESPN plus bundle. Right. So I go in and click it. And it's literally just because Jacob deGrom is the slated starter on the day that the, yeah, that 21st. The, they're going to start sanctioning players. Uh, and it's the very first game of the day because the Mets have a double header that day that starts at 5, 10 p.m. Eastern. So that that's literally all it is. That and you, <laughs> you've had a lot of the players saying, "Oh, he uses nothing." Yeah, so that's like gonna... totally unprompted. His teammates all came to his defense. So, but now, but now the umpire is going to obviously check that, yeah. check that out to make sure it's. Well, I think the umpires are under mandates to check everybody. So I think that, yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting because I I love that we're so concerned about pace of play, but now we want to have the umpires down every pitcher. That's going to be riveting action, I'm sure. Because the umpires Uh, don't blunder things enough. 
And yeah. I mean, that is that is going to be part of MLB's like veil, like guys excuse for why they're doing this like umbrella umbrella policy. Right. It's why you have to it's why you have to enforce everything, because then it takes a long time for the umpire to inspect the ball and decide, is this spider tack or is this sunscreen and rosin like let us allow us to test it in a lab and figure out what the what the molecular like composition of this substance is. That's going to be MLB's argument. And there is an argument to be had there for that. But I think that, you know, you can so you can counteract that by doing what we said which is selectively going after the guys you know are doing it right i mean they did this whole run-up where they went out and looked at people's spin rates and like collected balls and all of this other stuff and they apparently have these lists that they sent to teams it just start there you've already done (laughs) the work you've already done the work oh okay i'm sorry can we talk about that he hugged him i know that's Lindor hugging Wilson Contreras and Wilson's my favorite and that was that was glorious that was extremely everybody and so he felt bad and hugged I love Lindor I love Francisco Lindor and I love Wilson Contreras and I I I like that he took care of him there that was the most Lindor hugs everybody Lindor does hug everyone Contreras is a hugger too (laughs) Uh, so it was really cute when the um, Nationals came back because you know Kyle Schwarber and John Lester were making their first starts in front of fans at Wrigley Field since 2019. Um, and Wilson, as they came to the plate, he like bro hugged both of them and then gave them their Aww. space for their applause. But it was, I, Wilson's such a hugger. And so it was nice to see that little moment between Frankie and Wilson. Well, see, I, I love like that. Like, you know, and like, I don't know if you saw oh, the segment of be. Lindor mic'd up and he's just chatting with everybody, chatting with the umpires, chatting with the other team. <laughs> like, I find that fun. But like old school guys, like, no, that's your enemy. You can't talk to them. It's dumb. I mean, yeah. although Pete Alonso did get bit in the butt yesterday for being oh, very oh friendly with God. Anthony Rizzo Pete. and Anthony Rizzo deked him. <laughs> I, I, that was doing? hilarious, honestly. That I was, was like, Pete, Pete, you big dumb idiot. It's I love you. Big doofus. <laughs> I mean, I did have a moment where I was like, you are way too far off the bag for yep. Wilson <laughs> Contreras chatting. and Anthony Rizzo over there, buddy. Just casually chatting with Anthony Rizzo and Anthony's just like, oh, in his head, I bet uh-huh. he's like, keep the conversation going. I got going. it. Keep the he's conversation got the, he's got the, I got a live one. He's I got like, a live one. Grin. <laughs> Freddy! Frederick! Frederick! <laughs> that was so fun. That was like one of, that was essentially, I think that was my favorite non-Mets moment of the whole season. Mine too. <laughs> Frederick! Frederick! Uh, mic up the players more mic up the players more more mic'd up player content that i'm always gonna 100 we don't care like about what some what bob brenly has to say oh my (laughs) god can bob brenly stop talking (laughs) he's in a self-imposed sabbatical right now so brenly retired bitch anyway <laughs> we will since since we're already uh in in the lighthearted segment of the show, we will end things with walk-off wins like we always do, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Sarah Sanchez, what is your walk-off win? So I finally um got to go on my first trip to hang out with a friend somewhere other than Chicago last week, and I'm still just like living off of that energy of seeing friends and having plans. And I have a friend who got married last summer during the pandemic and it was supposed to be like the world's biggest party. And obviously it wasn't because it couldn't be, but her wedding is coming up on July. Well, her celebration of their wedding anniversary, I guess that we're going to call the wedding celebration is coming up on July 24th. And so just looking forward to plans and seeing friends and hugging people I haven't been able to hug in 18 months has been the greatest thing. 
those have been like variations of that have been like our walk-off wins for I feel like the past like few weeks now as we have gotten to do more and more things so yeah I I feel that a hundred percent it's amazing it's amazing actually getting to look forward to things make plans have a summer it's nice (laughs) yeah never taking that for granted ever again yeah for real jeez never Um, Linda Servich what is your walk-off win for this week uh, my walk off went well. I have to backtrack a little bit. Um, you know, I moved into a new place and I had a little patio, but when I moved in, the patio was in rough shape. Like, and then from all the snow and everything, and from them shoveling, like it was basically crumbling into my bushes. Uh, so it got to the point where, like, I was legit scared to like walk down my steps. Like, my top step was like just completely broken and knowing me I was going to trip and fall and kill myself um so one day so I emailed the homeowners association saying hey my patio's looking in pretty rough shape is there anything you could do about it so they sent out an inspector and it became a whole big thing and then um what was it Monday or last no it might have been last Tuesday, like an email, like, oh, I don't know if anybody told you, but they're coming today to fix your patio. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> no, nobody told me. Um, so then that turned into a thing because I leave by my patio because that's where my car is. So I leave and the guy's like, do you have another door? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have a front door. And he was like, oh, yes, yeah, might take us a little while. Um, so then so then I'm like, oh, no, I have the chain across my door. Like, I wouldn't be able to get in because my chain was still across my front door. So then I had to turn around. I was late for work. And then I ended up leaving the deadbolt in so I couldn't get in my front door anyway. So that turned into a whole big thing. But <laughs> <laughs> so then I had to, like, thankfully, they didn't pour the concrete yet. And I was able to get go walk through my patio because they just chopped it up so I was able to get in and poor Maddie was crying and it was the whole thing (laughs) but it's finally fixed (laughs) I have a beautiful brand new patio and it's just in time for summer and that is fantastic yes I'm very much looking forward to drinking wine and bringing a radio over to my kitchen window so I can listen to the Met game while I'm drinking wine on my and eventually I'll come up there and give you your Christmas and birthday presents and you're free <laughs> to bring wine too oh yes I actually have a bottle of wine sitting for when we all hang out okay next you, you're <sighs> all invited to come over I even have patio furniture now <laughs> amazing Aww. I like I love I love just I miss in Baltimore at a deck and I miss just like sitting out on the deck and drinking a beer and listening to the ball game on the radio. I miss oh, that so it's much. Perfect. It, it's beautiful. It's beautiful stuff, especially on a beautiful summer night where it's where it's not too hot. Like humidity, I can't do. No, but like on not. a night like this, it's like it's perfect. On a night yes. Like um. So Kellyanne Healy, what is your walk off win for this week? I know you have like a few. I have a bunch. <laughs> Okay, so um, I mentioned, I think, two or three episodes ago that I was applying to library schools. That was my walk-off Yay! Um, I have heard back from two out of the three. I was accepted at both, one with a Woo-hoo! scholarship. Yeah! So yeah! I'm about that. Um, I finished a big project at work. I was getting my story time craft kits um, ready because we're still doing virtual programming. So my story times are virtual, but I'm giving them all the crafts beforehand. So eight weeks worth of crafts, 50 kits, all done two weeks before they needed to be done. And I was very happy about that. 
And the big one is that I am visiting Allison and Michael this weekend in DC for my birthday. Yeah, they are taking me to the doubleheader on Saturday because they're angels and I love them and I miss them and I'm excited to see you guys. Yay, I can't wait to hug you. We're gonna go we're right? gonna go to two games in one day. Mets oh. Mets Nats in DC. Oh, it's gonna be so fun. I can't we're wait. Gonna sneak in a so Bluetooth, awesome. We're gonna sneak in a Bluetooth speaker so we can play Narco. Yes, we are. <laughs> When Edwin Diaz yes. comes out, if he comes out in one of those games, Narco will be played by us. Oh, that's uh, so awesome. Anyway, <laughs> um, so my walk-off win is baseball-related this week, although not particularly like on-the-field baseball-related. Um, apologies to those of you who have seen this all play out on Twitter and already oh know gosh, this I story. Oh, my gosh, I love this one. Oh, um, you too. Oh, this, this is, so, this this is such a fantastic story. This one oh, I, my heart. But I thought that people who have not seen it play out on Twitter or people who aren't on Twitter at all would like to hear it, the story from my own mouth. This because this walk-off win. This, this is... <laughs> This is one of the most wholesome things, honestly, that's ever happened to me. And it makes me like, I know that people like to make fun of the like, how can you not be romantic about baseball stuff? And we've made fun of it on this podcast before, because like, obviously, baseball has a shit ton of problems that we discuss at length on this podcast. And we've discussed at length today. Um, But there are moments, there are moments. And this was one of them. So um Michael and I went to the Mets Orioles game um, at Camden Yards last Tuesday. Um, and obviously the, the, the game itself was shit. So we're not going to talk about that. The, the Mets <laughs> got their butts kicked by the Orioles. It was bad. Um, and so the, the game was not, is not the point here. Um, we were walking from the, um, from the car when we parked it in the parking lot to, um, to the stadium. Cause for those of you who don't know, like Camden Yards, Camden is, uh, like, uh, Baltimore is very similar in a Philadelphia in the sense that like all their stadiums are like one complex and you park like in one spot for all of them. So sometimes it's pretty far of a walk the way you're, where you park your car to the stadium. So we were walking, um, and I'm of course wearing my floral hat as I always do. Um, and I see, you know, as I'm walking, I see a little girl must be about seven years old walking with her dad. And she's also wearing a floral hat, the same one that I'm wearing. And she like, we're standing at kind of the crosswalk waiting for the light to change. And she turns and looks at me and her whole face just lights up and she goes, we have the same hat. Um, <laughs> and she's a Mets fan, you know, they're like Mets. There were a ton of Mets fans there. Like for, I was surprised Mets travel well in DC because there are a lot of New York transplants in DC, but not, not as much in Baltimore. I was really surprised by that. I think people are just eager to get out to games, but um, anyway, her whole face lights up. She goes, we have the same hat. And I said, yeah, floral hats forever. And I see that she has a sign tucked under her arm. And I say, oh, what's your sign say? And she says, it's, it says that it's my very first game and let's go Mets. And she says, I'm seven years old and I've never been to a game because my two younger sisters are too young to go to a game. I also have a hamster and eight guinea pigs. And she goes on and lists all oh of her Lord. pets that she has. And then she goes, and I hate cicadas. And I was like... <sighs> And I just like let her let her talk, and I was just like nodding and smiling, and I was like, I hate cicadas too. <laughs> and it, it was just so wholesome, like the sweetest interaction. And her dad's giving me that like sad little tired smile, like the like apologizing with his eyes Aww. sort of smile. And he's just like, I'm sorry, she's not very shy. <laughs> and I said, I it's okay, that. neither am I. Um, so it's just like a wholesome little interaction outside the ballpark, right? Okay, I, I, 
I forget all, I kind of, I don't forget all about it, but I kind of, you know, it's not in the front of my mind. Um, right afterwards, I tweeted about it. I tweeted, and it's my pinned tweet now. I tweeted, outside of Camden Yards, I saw a little girl in a floral Mets hat who saw my floral Mets hat lit up and then proclaimed to me that she is seven years old and a Mets and an Orioles fan. This is her first game and she hates cicadas. Hello, new best friend. <laughs> I, I didn't think anything of it. The tweet like blows up from, at least from my perspective, obviously like viral has different levels, but like, this is the most likes I've ever gotten on a tweet before. It just like blows up. Um, just cause I think people like wholesome content these days. And yeah. then the, the girl's dad found my tweet and, and replied under it and said, you were the first of many Mets fans. My daughter, Emma excitedly talked to tonight. And in her first game, she came away with a BP ball from Tarasco, a Lindor autograph and a ball VR tossed to her in the first quite the first game and it was complete with all these adorable photos of her in her little floral hat and her yes. sign let's go Mets it's my first game and Lindor handing her the baseball in her floral hat and her smiling face holding up the baseball and it just made me like it honestly made me emotional because I was I like know. this is this is the type of thing that makes fans for life like because the game was terrible but the players made it special for her and she's never gonna forget that no. and she's not gonna remember that the Mets lost I mean, she might remember, but like not, that's not going to be the thing she remembers about that game at all. Um, and so it was just awesome. Well, and did then she respond to you too. Like this she is did. Yes. <laughs> she did. Aww. So I oh replied to the dad. I replied to her dad saying, Oh my goodness, I'm so glad she had such a great first game. That picture of Emma and Lindor is so precious. She's going to remember this forever. It was lovely to meet you both. I hope we run into each other at another game sometime. And then I get a reply from the dad's account, but it says, Hi, best friend. I had so much fun today. I hope you're having a good time. I also have five hamsters too, hamster emoji. And my <laughs> My sister likes penguin emoji, bird emoji, and my baby, my baby sister likes dog emoji. See you soon. A bunch of flower emojis. Aww. Typed parentheses. Typed by Emma with a unicorn emoji. <laughs> it was the I most amazing it. thing. These are the game so on Saturday. Happy. It made me so happy, and so I made a new seven-year-old Mets fan and Orioles fan friend, and she literally exudes like she just reminded me so much of me at that same age, and it made me so happy. And it turns out her dad is the like like social media coordinator the of of the uh, oh digital director i'm sorry digital director for the baltimore ravens and oh. they're new jersey to baltimore transplants just like i was um cool so that's just very fun and i just feel uh, an insane kinship with emma so emma come on come on the show we'd love yeah, to she have is you. an honorary <laughs> member she's an honorary apato apato she's team not, member she's an honorary member she's just a straight up member yeah like she can <laughs> I, I look forward to her taking my job yes uh, yeah, Emma sounds amazing. Yeah, like I'm so excited to be to be her friend. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hang out with her at a game sometime. I can't wait. Um, yeah, so Emma, I hope we cross paths again again someday. I hope you take my job. So that is, you know, that's the show this week. And I hope um, her next game they get a win for Emma. Yes, yes, please win for her next time, Mets. Don't don't do the thing you did last time. <laughs> um, but yeah, that does it for the show this week. Um, Sarah Sanchez, thank you so much for coming on. Where can um, our people find you on the internet? It is always a blast to hang out with you ladies. I look forward to Met series all the time because of this. You can find me on Twitter at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find the podcast at at Cup of Cubby Blue if you're ever looking for additional Cubs content. And then my writing is at bleedcubbyblue.com and at Fangraph. Yes, you guys should check out Cup of Cubby Blue and Sarah's writing. They they are fantastic. 
Um, but if you want to get more Mets content in the meantime, you can go to amazingavenue.com, um, check out all of our writing. Linda Cervich has a fantastic piece on Amazing Avenue right now that you should absolutely read. That is statistical proof that Edwin Diaz is better when Narco is his walk-up music. Yep. So please read that. Um, along with all of our game recaps, you know, morning news posts every day, analysis pieces, the whole nine. Um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petit PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Sarvich. And you, Kellyanne? I am at L-R-B-E-L-L-A-R-E-B-E-E. Please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app of choice and rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets and let's go Cubs, except when they're playing the Mets. And don't forget, (laughs) there is no crying in podcasting. Check you guys next time.